It would work if my microphone were on. It would work if my microphone were on. Good morning. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America for me. It's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe the gospel for salvation. Today I'm going to be talking to or talking about uh, the J6 affidavit. Uh, my intent is as one of the people in a constitutional republic to bring a affidavit of remonstrance, that is evidence of bad administration. I'm going to remonstrate our government. I'm going to tell them that they're doing a bad job, and I'm going to swear to facts about criminal prosecutions that are being done uh, regarding the capital breach cases that are criminal prosecutions uh, about January 6, 2021, and we're going to be doing a walkthrough of what this affidavit is about. Um, if you want to support this cause, I didn't type in, let me do uh, this real fast if I can, if you'll permit me, because there's going to be a uh, portion, there's going to be a portion where, I mean, this is going to, I mean, this is going to cost, literally going to cost money because you have to uh, send in papers. So let me do this. Boom. There we go. Um, so there we go. All right, if you want to support this effort, it is at that link right there. If you want to support this effort, you can do a one-time uh, gift or, you know, you could you know sign up as a member for a recurring gift at that link below. It's a private membership association, not in commerce. Nothing is for sale. Um, this is just a love gift for me, or you can put um, a note on there that says, this is a gift and a contribution for the J6 effort. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain what that's going to at the very end. So don't just don't just think that's me uh, doing an open solicitation um, or an open invitation, I should say. Not, not a solicitation. Um, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be walking through this this uh, affidavit right here. We're going to be walking through this affidavit right here. This is an affidavit of pattern of maladministration in criminal prosecutions without a witness. So this is me, Jaron, swearing to the fact that there is a pattern of maladministration. Maladministration is wrong administration. So I'm swearing to the fact that there is a pattern of maladministration in criminal prosecutions without a witness. So I'm swearing under oath, penalty of perjury. I'm going to, you know, not doing this today. I'll, I'll, I'll send it out probably be about another week, um, get the money and everything put together, all the papers. Um, but I believe, and I, I, I believe to the fact that I'm going to swear to this, that there are criminal prosecutions being done by the federal government against the people in trespass of their guaranteed right to be confronted by the witnesses against them. They don't have witnesses against them, and I'm going to show that in the law, and I'm going to show the evidence where the text of the Constitution requires and demands them to have a witness. And we're going to see why this is significant. Um, even if you don't like the J6 stuff and you want all of those Trump supporters to be in prison, let's just take the, the perspective that you absolutely hate what happened on January 6th, you absolutely hate everything that Trump stands for, you think he's a racist, a bigot, sexist, homophobe, whatever. Grant that position. Just just say that that's the case. The issue, the issue is a liberty interest whereby your government, as we'll see, your government is prosecuting people without witnesses. That is a big deal. 
that's a very big deal and I'm going to ex I'm going to show you why that's a big deal and where the current legal system is pivoting away from the common law, away from your constitution, away from your guaranteed right to face the witnesses against you because it's using an incredibly artful wrinkle of wordplay. And this artful wrinkle of wordplay is why there's hundreds of people in prison right now without someone who actually observed them doing what they did or doing what they're alleged to have done. So with that, we're going to just walk through this. Um, so this is not, again, this is not legal advice. Nothing here is me saying uh, you should do this. I am going to swear to this. Um, you know, I might change some words here or there, but this is just for posterity's sake to see the word of God, to see God work, because what we're going to do is we're going to show the law, we're going to stand on the law, then we're going to assert the law, and then we will see God be fruitful. We, we will, I should say, we, sh we will see God's faithfulness. When Christians stand on the word, when Christians say what the truth is, and, and Christians are willing to uh, go to prison or to die for the truth, we will see God's faithfulness. We will see God's faithfulness. And that is my prayer, um, that by doing this, it is not for my you know, uh, glory or my name or my reputation. This is for God. This is for uh, his glory, that the truth is known, that the love and lordship of Jesus Christ is, um, is the, the salvation message, and that by Christians understanding what the truth is, they will bring the truth and advance that in all realms, including the law and government. This is an affidavit, a pattern of maladministration and criminal, criminal prosecutions without a witness. Notice the agent is notice the principal, notice the principals, notice the agent. So whoever gets it, whether you are a secretary, it's, it's the same as though the principal gets it. And if the principal gets it, this is the same as notifying every everybody underneath him. So whoever gets it is going to be uh, a, a proper service. Affiant, which is someone who swears an affidavit with first-hand knowledge. Uh, Jaron Jackson, that's me. One of the people, that's my status, standing, and jurisdiction of the law, as seen in the 50 American state constitutions. You can look up your constitutions, look in the Declaration of Rights or the Bill of Rights, and there will be people listed. So I am one of the people of the 50 American state constitutions. Or I should say, 50, as seen, yeah, as seen in the 50 American state constitutions. Republican informed because we have a constitutional republic. So I'm coming to my government actors. I'm coming to my government trustees um, as someone who can regulate the affairs and help administer the affairs that are open to the public. Sui juris, which is Latin for by my own right, of your own right. I have no legal incapacities. I can do this because I can. Um, I serve, do serve you. And I'm going to send this first to the justices of the United States Supreme Court. I'm going to send it to all nine so that they all get it. I'm going to say this affidavit, so this is a swearing to claims, by necessity, which means that this is uh, of imminent importance. This is by force and compulsion that they can't resist. Um, to make the following claims so that you do provide, so that you provide immediate due care. We want to, or I want to say what, uh, what I want to make claims, I'm going to swear to them, so that these justices have judicial notice which is evidence, and if I swear to the evidence of a pattern of wrongdoing, they are obligated, they have a fiduciary responsibility uh, as trustees to the Constitution to do something about it. And we'll, we'll specify that in the remedy at the very end.
Affiant claims, so this is what I swear to. I swear that all political power is inherent in the people. The people have the right to write their government. The people have the right to write their government for remonstrance. Uh, remonstrance means this. Remonstrance, expostulation, showing of reasons against something proposed, a representation made to a court or legislative body wherein certain persons unite in urging that a contemplated measure be not adopted or passed. Uh, you know, another way of saying this is a rebuke. Don't do this. Stop doing this. In this case, the remonstrance is there's a pattern of uh, maladministration. Stop it. The people can reform, and then I swear to, the people can reform government in any time for the public good. And then see evidence below. Oklahoma Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Political Power. Uh, all political power is inherent in the people, and government is instituted for the protection, security, benefit, and to promote the general welfare. And they have the right to alter or reform the same whenever the public good may require it, provided such change be not repugnant to the Constitution of the United States. So we can change, and then uh, highlight for emphasis. So I'm directing their attention here that I am one of these people. I'm one of the people, and the people have all political power. So I'm coming to them as someone who is one of the people who has all political power. That's my status, my standing, and jurisdiction in law. And that I have the right to alter or reform government for the public good. It is for the public good that if there is a pattern of maladministration in criminal prosecutions, that we need to change that. We need to clarify that. We need to make sure that that's good because nobody wants to be wrongfully uh, prosecuted criminally. People want and have a right for all of their rights and due process according to the law. So that's what we're doing. Um, the Oklahoma Constitution, Article 2, Section 3, right to remonstrance. This is the people have the right. Uh, let me. The people have the right, <coughs> excuse me, peaceably to assemble for their own good. I have a little bit of a cold if you can't tell. <coughs> and to apply to those invested in uh, with the powers of government for redress of grievances by petition, address, or remonstrance. This is an affidavit, and I'm swearing to... Uh, this is a remonstrance. I'm, I'm swearing to the fact that I'm rebuking them. <laughs> that, they're, that they're doing what they're... That something is going on that they need to change. Maxim of law, the main objective... The main object of government is the protection and preservation of personal rights... Uh, private property and public liberties and upholding the law of God, American maxim. And a maxim is a universally accepted uh, truth. It's a chief conclusion in law that there is no argument against. So nobody, no jurist, no um, lawyer, no law school, no nobody can argue with this. If it's a maxim, there's no arguing with it. And we employ maxims throughout our affidavits and our notices. Um, by the way, uh, hat tip, shout out to my teacher, Dave Jose, uh, at Dave Cares for you who does this stuff. Um, Affiant claims that people granted powers to government to secure their rights, right? Among which is the necessity of a common law right to face the witnesses against them in all, prosecu in all criminal prosecutions. I swear that Black's Law, fourth edition, Black's Law Dictionary, 4th edition, defines witness as, quote, in general, one who, being present, personally sees or perceives a thing, a beholder, spectator, or eyewitness. And then I see, see, see evidence below. What's going on, guys, is that you have the right in all criminal prosecutions to be able to be confronted by the witnesses against you. 
which means if someone is swearing to the fact that you committed a crime and you're being prosecuted for that crime, there has to be someone who saw you do that. We'll get into why that's important. Um, but first, we're going to look at the, the Sixth Amendment. The Sixth Amendment says, in all criminal prosecutions, in all of them, not some of them, not half of them, not most of them, all of them, which means if there is a criminal prosecution, there has to be the following. The accused, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of, their, uh, of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature of the cause of the accusation, and here we go, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Um, we're only going to be focusing, we're going, one of the principles that we deal with in the law is we break people with simplicity. We're not going to throw a bunch of stuff up against the refrigerator. We're not going to shotgun approach it. We're going to narrowly tailor and stand on the truth because the truth you can't argue against. And here, the Constitution literally says, the text of the Constitution says, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to be confronted by the witnesses against them. Now, I could go witnesses as in plural, but I'm not going to go there right now. I could. I don't want to stand on that. I want to make it more plain because the liberty interest is greater. In other words, uh, I, I, I'm comfortable making an argument that you need two for criminal prosecutions. I'm very comfortable saying that. At the same time, I want to make a bigger, broader, more profound claim to say that there is uh, more liberty at stake. And, and very simply, the idea is that people are being criminally prosecuted without someone who is an eyewitness to what they did. That's that, that is the claim. That is the essence of this, is that if you do not have an eyeball witness to what you have done wrong, you cannot be prosecuted criminally by the text of the Constitution. And that's what we're going to hold to, and that's what we're going to be laying out. Now this, I, I will say, this will um, go against every attorney. This will go against every law school. This will go against every court as it functions in the system today. Absolutely. I, I'm not denying that. I, I absolutely guarantee and grant the idea that law schools, courts, and prosecutors and attorneys do not agree with what I'm about to say. Completely, uh, completely agree that what I'm about to say goes against everything that 99.99999% of attorneys are going to say. But we're stating what the law is. We're standing on what the truth is. We are strictly adhering to the strict meaning of words. That's what we're doing. We are bringing the law. We are bringing truth regardless of system or procedure or process or precedent or anything we're standing on what the law is and it's going to be powerful this is where god gets the glory because the truth is simple it's profound and it's going to destroy all this stuff because now i'm about to show you where this is powerful the first maxim of law is a witness is a person who is present and observes a transaction this is there's no argument against this there's no argument in the law against this. A witness is a person who is present at and observes a transaction. 
That is a maxim of law. That's also the definition. That's also, you know, the, according to the definition of the Black's Law Dictionary. Now, again, don't let me lose you. The dictionary defines what a witness is, and a maxim of law literally tells you a witness is a person who is present at and observes a transaction. Now, if you are a prosecutor, or if you are an attorney, or if you are a judge, or if you are in the court system, your ears, and you, you've probably already turned off by now, but you're offended by this because you're automatically going to look to the rules of evidence. You're automatically going to start talking about probable cause. And that's where we will say, time out. And now we will go into what the law world does. So we'll bring up our Constitution, Ballotpedia, United States Constitution, and we'll just go down to our Bill of Rights. <coughs> Bill of Rights, and let's go to Amendment 4, because this is what attorneys are going to focus on. Amendment 4 says, The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. That's, that's the Fourth Amendment right, your right to privacy generally, yeah? shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue which means the only warrants that can be issued against people against the, in their privacy is what but upon probable cause so there has to be probable cause to issue a warrant now why supported by oath or affirmation which means under testimony so someone has to swear to a um to a to the probable cause and they have to swear that the probable cause exists for a warrant. They have to. Like that that is what your that is what this is saying. No warrants can be issued and the particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. So nothing can come into your property. And so because government is instituted and we saw this in the um, we saw this in the maxims the main object of government is the protection and preservation of personal rights, private property, and public liberties, and to uphold the law of God. Because that is the main object of government, and don't lose sight of that. The main object of government is that. Because the main object of government is that, your rights protect you against frivolous searches and whatnot. So no one can come and arrest you. No warrants shall be issued except supported by oath and affirmation someone has to swear under penalty of perjury that wrongdoing has been done that has to happen and and when that's done that warrant is now issued under what probable cause and probable cause is what most attorneys and prosecutors and courts this is what people will focus on this is what people will hone in on they will hone in on, well, there's probable cause there, so we can go and arrest them. They will absolutely make that argument, and that's I'm not even arguing against that. I'm agreeing with it. I'm saying, yes, that exists. There's probable cause. And you can go down the rabbit trail, and we can, if you want to go talk to uh, Brenniger versus United States, 1949. This is the Supreme Court case uh, that the Supreme Court looks at for its probable cause standard. I will point out, though, and we'll get to this, is that petitioner was like the issue? Well, we won't, we won't do that. I'll, I'll save that for I'll save that for later. But the the attorneys, the law schools, the court systems will focus on probable cause. They will focus on probable cause, and because they'll focus on probable cause, they'll say whoever swore to evidence of probable cause that is ju that justifies arresting someone, and that is what the law says. 
That is what the law says. We're not arguing with it. I'm not arguing with it. I, I, I agree that the law is as it says. What we're doing is we're focusing in the Sixth Amendment in all criminal prosecutions. Now, I will say a criminal prosecution is distinct from you know any issue of warrant. Just because you can have probable cause does not mean that that is a witness. Where is that at? Does not mean that that's a witness. The oath or affirmation, the oath or affirmation that swears to probable cause is not the same thing as the witnesses against them. Not the same thing. It's not the same thing, and we know it's not the same thing because of what the, uh, where is it at? Because of what witness means. Witness means, in general, one being present personally sees or perceives a thing, a beholder, spectator, or eyewitness. The maxims say a witness is a person who is present and observes a transaction. So you can swear, you can swear uh, in a, the Fourth Amendment, and this is what this is what the government does. The government will swear by oath or affirmation to warrants <coughs> to probable cause. They'll swear that all day long. They have government agents all over the place swearing to probable cause, and I'll just show you. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to let's go to Google. And we'll just type in, because I've already searched it, capital breach cases. Capital breach cases. This is the DOJ. Or this is the United States Attorney's Office, District of Columbia. You see that, right? It's a .gov, justice.gov website. Now, these are... Below is the list of defendants charged in federal court in the District of Columbia related to the crimes committed at the U.S. Capitol on Washington, D.C., Wednesday, January 6, 2021. Every case is being prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. It's telling you these are criminal prosecutions. It's telling you every case is being prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. Following arrests or surrender, defendants must appear before district court, blah, 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 blah. Okay, in accordance with, ooh, look at this, in accordance with federal rules of criminal procedure. Hmm, that's what we're zeroing in on. That is what we're zeroing in on. And we're saying that the expressed text in the Constitution trumps the federal rules of criminal procedure. That's that's effectively that's the maladministration. The maladministration is that the federal rules of criminal procedure trespass your guaranteed right in the Sixth Amendment. Where are you at? It trespasses your Sixth Amendment right to be confronted the witnesses against you. That's the issue. The issue is the federal rules of criminal procedure allow government agents to swear upon probable cause, which is not the same thing as being confronted by the witnesses against you. That's the argument. That's the argument. So let's just do this. This is, uh, you know, I mean, you see how many, um, you know, let, let's just let's just scroll. I'll just I'll just scroll. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at these cases. I'm scrolling up. I'm scrolling down. And all of a sudden, let's go there. Brock Larry Rendell. I've never read this. Brock Larry Rendell is being com he's complaint. So. Um, uh, this guy is uh, restricted buildings or grounds, violent entry or disorderly conduct. That's why he's being charged with. Um, <clears throat> but this is the affidavit against him, and this is where it matters. This is the affidavit in support of criminal complaint and arrest warrants. You see how that right there matches this? Fourth Amendment, no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause. 
right? So this affidavit is swearing to probable cause that some dude did something. Now this affidavit is supported in criminal complaint of Larry whatever, blah, 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 blah. And this is, uh, so they, they always, this is a common thing. They, they take away, they take away the name. They redact it so that you can't know. And that's, I think that's also a, a big part of the maladministration. I respectfully submit this affidavit establishes probable cause. Probable cause. That's what we're, that's what they're being sworn to. They are swearing to probable cause. That's what's going on. They're swearing to probable cause. To believe Brock Brock 1 did knowingly enter or remain uh, any restricted buildings or ground without lawful authority or did knowingly with the intent to impede or disrupt orderly conduct, business or official function. You guys can't probably can't see that. <clears throat> there. <clears throat> so this guy, uh, identity, un, you know, identity redacted. Um, he swears, where you at? Um, establishes probable cause. And that's, that's why they do it. Um, so background of affiant there we go I have been a special agent with the Federal Bureau of Investigation since 2018 so the guy swearing this guy this officer swearing upon probable cause is a government agent he's an employee of the government and he is an employee of the government doing what swearing to the probable cause to what seize one of the people that the right of the people are guaranteed to not be arrested to not be apprehended to not have their liberty violated unless there is a warrant on probable cause so you you see how this is going so now you've got this special agent with the fbi who's swearing to probable cause as an FBI agent, I have participated in numerous investigations involving murder, unlawful narcotics distribution, organized crime, extortion, lawful firearms, and other violent criminal offenses. Do you know what he's doing here? What he's doing right here is he's speaking to... Let's go back up. He's speaking to the federal rules of criminal procedure. He is laying out his competence. He's laying out his expertise. He's laying out that he is a professional in law enforcement. This is building up his expertise such that whenever he comes and he says, I swear that this establishes probable cause, the way that our court system runs today, not by the law, but the way that the court system runs today is if this is a law enforcement professional and he swears that this establishes probable cause, then he's an expert witness to say that this is probable cause. And that wrinkle, that artful wrinkle of the law is why people are being criminally prosecuted without witnesses. Because this guy is swearing to the fact that this establishes probable cause is not the same thing as him being a witness who is present to observe a transaction. And another maxim of the law is the proprieties of words, which is the proper meanings of words, are to be preserved or adhered to. So when the Constitution says to be confronted by the witnesses against him, the, the meaning of witness in the law, according to the common law, which is not the same thing as the federal uh, crimes procedures or whatever. What was that called? The federal, the federal rules of criminal procedure. So the federal rules of criminal procedure 
are not the common law. The common law says a witness is a person who is present and observes a transaction. The common law says the proprieties of words, which is the proper meanings of words, are to be preserved or adhered to. Now, the last one we'll say is necessity overrules the law. This means that when you have the necessity of something, it is more important than the law. Your rights are by necessity. Your rights are more important than the law because Jesus gave you them. King Jesus gave you your rights, which is the common law Christian tradition, and because Jesus gives you something, what Jesus gives you is more important than what the law says. So if something is by necessity, it is more important than anything in the law. And so we are saying, because you have the right to be confronted by the witnesses against you, and that witness is, is a person who is present and observes a transaction, the words have to keep have to be preserved. Their meanings have to be preserved or adhered to. And that it's by necessity that overrules the law. We are saying, unless you've got someone who eyeballed you in the in this event, in this uh, you know crime, you don't have a witness. And the Constitution specifically says you have the right in all criminal prosecutions to be confronted by the witnesses against you. Which means if you are a law enforcement officer, if you are a special agent with the FBI, and you are swearing to facts of probable cause, you are not a witness to a crime. That's a very important distinction. Because this means that the federal government and the government agents that are using Facebook and internet and algorithms and artificial intelligence, none of them are witnesses to these crimes. None of them. So as we get more artificial intelligence, as you get more Big Brother, as you get more surveillance state, as you get more ability for traffic cams, red light cams, all these kinds of things, all of these things are not witnesses. All of them. None of these things are present. None of these things are a witness. You need a witness to swear who is present to observe. And that is the common law. That is what the law says. That is what your constitution says. <clears throat> the constitution clarifies. Statutes twist. Okay? So now we're going to come down here. <clears throat> Affiant claims that there is a pattern of uh, maladministration. So that, um, let's, let's, let's look at pattern. I don't think I took a picture of it, but let's, I'll show you with, uh, let me find it. Uh, you look up the definitions of words, where are you at? Uh, all right. I guess pattern, pattern is not a, uh, what's a, what's a synonym for pattern? Let's find out a law word. So now we're going to be doing some sausage making. Let's do Google. Let's do synonym, synonym of pattern. Pattern. Um, I don't want to say design. Device. Do we want to look up device? Every word has to make sense. Every word has to be specific. Every word ha has a purpose. 
um, yeah, I guess we could do that. I like form better. I like form. I like form better. That's that's a better because that doesn't speak to intent. It just says that stuff is bad. I like form better. There we go. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Where's my camera? So we're going to do instead of pattern. Where's my uh, this producer of one, folks? If you want to support me, you can down in the description below. Here we go. Uh, form. Form. A model or skeleton of an instrument to be used in a judicial proceeding containing the principal necessary matters, the proper technical terms or phrases, and whatever else is necessary to make it formally correct, arranged in proper and methodical order, and capable of being adapted to the circumstances of the specific case. In contradistinction, the substance, form, means the legal or technical manner in order to be observed in legal instruments or judicial or juridical which is like a jury, uh, proceedings, or in the construction of legal documents or processes. Amen. So it's the antithesis of substance. So we will say, you know what? We'll say substance, because I like that. We'll say the substance. Um, no, I need to say pattern, because it's, it's more than one. We'll keep it pattern. We'll keep it pattern. Pattern is... Hmm. No, we'll do substance. Substance. Now let's go back up. Affidavit of... Sub affidavit, affidavit of substance of maladministration. No, I'm going to keep pattern. I'm going to keep pattern. I like that better. I like that better. All right. So, affidavit claims, affiant, I should say, claims that there is a pattern of maladministration, which means wrong administration, among criminal prosecutions by the Department of Justice against the people arising from the events of January 6, 2021, at the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C. This pattern uses artful affidavits by agents swearing to probable cause to suffice as witness. To suffice as a witness. <coughs> Excuse me. This means that um, these people are, which is what I've explained, and uh, in, in the artful affidavit. We'll get to that as we get down to Blackstone. Uh, but it's it's using a artful affidavits by agents swearing to probable cause to suffice as a witness. This means that people are criminally prosecuted without a witness, but with a government agent promising his suspicion. This is, I mean, as as it says. Mm -hmm. People are being criminally prosecuted without a witness because someone who was there to see isn't the one that's testifying and isn't the one saying these things. Uh, or at the very minimal, if they're being you know arrested um, by people who weren't there, then this 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 isn't a witness. Uh, this isn't a witness. But with a government agent promising his suspicion, so this is someone who works for a government promising that he suspects that there's probable cause which again is what you're supposed to be doing right where is this at uh it, it, i mean like that's that's the fourth amendment you can have a, a warrant on the arrest of people based on probable cause 
But what's the issue? The issue is, if you're not a witness, then you know you have to be a witness. Examples of this include affidavits that read, Except as explicitly set forth, I have not distinguished in this affidavit between facts of which I have personal knowledge and facts of which I have hearsay knowledge. Now this right here is, I believe, the magic bullet of how these people are in prison. This right here is um, an FBI, this is, this, you know, let, let's just see if it's in the one that we randomly pulled up. We randomly pulled up Brock. Let's see. Let's see if it says it in here. We're trying to see if it's if it says I'm a Look at it, look at it, look at it. Look at it. Unless otherwise stated, this information is either personally known to me or has been provided to me by other individuals, or is based on a review of various documents, reports, records and reports. That right there is an artful affidavit. That right there is an artful affidavit. This is how the affidavit, this is how the affiant can make a first-hand testimony without it actually being first-hand testimony. He can swear to probable cause, but if he doesn't have personal knowledge, right? If he doesn't have personal knowledge, remember, it, we, we are going to the exact definition. A witness is one who is present at and observes a transaction. The dictionary, Black's Law, says what? In general, one who's present personally perceives a thing, beholder, spectator, or eyewitness. If we go, <clears throat> if we go to knowledge, let's just look up the word knowledge. This is important. This is incredibly important. And this is why hundreds of people have lost their liberties. This is why families have been torn apart. This is where attorneys make a lot of money because they'll not, I mean, this this kills the case. We'll show you, this kills the case. Where's the knowledge at? So this is, here we go. Where are we at? Where's my mouse? There we go, knowledge. So this is knowledge, right? Acquaintance with fact or truth. That's what knowledge is. Now we go down here to personal knowledge. Personal knowledge. Knowledge of the truth in regard to a particular fact or allegation which is original and does not depend on information or hearsay. Personal knowledge of an allegation in an answer is personal knowledge uh, of its truth or falsity. And if the allegation is a negative one, this necessarily includes knowledge of the truth or falsity as the allegation denied. This means that whenever you have government agents and they're saying in their affidavits, uh, the information is either personally known to me or provided to me by other individuals. Those are two different types of knowledge. Those are two different types of knowledge. That's the wrinkle. That's where these J6ers are in jail. The J6ers have, the, the, the people have a right to do what? We have a right to be confronted by the witnesses against us. The witnesses against us have what? are a person who is present at and observes the transaction. And the words have to have, the proper meanings of words need to be preserved and adhered to. And this is by necessity, which is more important than the law. You have to hold to the word, the meanings of words. And yet here you have agents of the FBI who are swearing to affidavits and they're saying this is either personally known to me or it's been provided to me by individuals, or it's based on a review of various doc documents, records, and reports. That is not 
a witness. That is not a witness. He can swear to probable cause, but that is not a witness. That's not a witness. Just by, by the letter of the law, these people aren't witnesses to crimes, which means that the accused cannot be confronted by the witnesses against him because there's no witness. That's what we're saying. We are saying there are no witnesses. And this is why it's a pattern of maladministration. See, I'm not going to say that they're committing a crime. I'm saying that they've artfully used a wrinkle in the law. And Blackstone says it too. We'll get to that here in a second. This means that people are criminally prosecuted without a witness, but with a government agent promising his suspicion. A pinky promise that this is probable cause, and in matters more than that, I'm actually going to say, unless otherwise stated, this affidavit is either personal knowledge, or it's been provided to me by other people, or I looked at some internet documents and I saw some stuff on Facebook, but that's the basis of my knowledge. And that, my friends, is where liberty dies. That wrinkle right there is where liberty dies. Examples of this af uh, include affidavits that read, quote, Except as explicitly set forth, I have not distinguished in this affidavit between facts of which I have personal knowledge and facts of which I have hearsay knowledge. That's that's what one of theirs, that's what one of these dudes that I, oh, I should have taken that out. I should have taken that out. I don't want to get them in trouble. I should have done that before. So hold on. Let me, I want to take these guys' name out. I should have done that before. I don't want to get them in trouble. So let me... I should have done that before. Let me uh, copy. And let me move over to a different document. Um, let me do this. Sorry, folks. Save. Uh, J6 list save alright now I will delete these guys okay alright we're back on I should have done that earlier I didn't do it <clears throat> I don't want to get them in trouble um yeah, I mean, we're going to send it to a lot of people anyway here, here we were where we were where were we um okay uh so, so this is what they this is what they swear to, right? This is what they swear to. Um, other affidavits rely on pictures or video footage, or use presumptions that exploit a standard derogatory to the common law. That right there is your federal rules of criminal procedure. Your federal rules of criminal procedure are derogatory to the common law, and that means so the common law. It, 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 we'll, we'll just do this because there's a lot of people that say, well, this isn't common law. This is precedent or law of the case or whatever. Common law has a definition. It literally has a definition. And most people don't just don't look it up. The common law is... <coughs> excuse me. As distinguished, which means it's separate from, which means the common law exists as its own identity, from the Roman law, the modern civil law, the modern civil law that gives you the federal rules of procedure. The federal rules of procedure are the modern civil law. 
But what did we just see as, um, uh, what did we just see the definition said? Common law is distinguished, which means it's not the same as the com as the Roman law, the modern civil law, which is the federal rule, which includes the federal rules of uh, com uh, criminal procedure, the canon law, and other systems. The common law is that body of law and juristic theory which was originated, developed, and formulated, and is administered in England and has obtained among most of the states and peoples of the Anglo-Saxon stock. It's distinct as distinguished from the law created by the enactment of legislatures, as distinguished from the law from law created by enactment of legislatures. Where does the federal rules of criminal procedure come from? Where does the federal rules of criminal procedure come from? It does not come from the common law. The common law comprises the body of those principles and rules of action relating to government and security of persons and property. And they derive their authority solely from the usages and customs of an immemorial antiquity. What is an immemorial antiquity? That would be your maxims. Your maxims of law are the fundamentals. The fundamentals of law are where the, co the common law is codified and the common law speaks to those usages and principles whereby people hold their own rights. This is incredibly important because we have a republic where people hold their rights. That's called, due pro that's called the law of the land. Due process of law is the common law. So I hold my rights. Government holds no rights of the people. The people hold their rights, you hold your rights, and when we have conflict in the law, I have power of action, which is the definition of right, and when I am being criminally prosecuted, I have the power of action to confront the witnesses who saw me break the law. If they did not observe me break the law, they do not have jurisdiction over me. You can have a government agent swear to probable cause, but if that dude isn't a witness and he did not eyeball me and see me do something, he is not a witness according to the meaning of words in the common law. That is the law. That's the Constitution. That is your right. And that is directly against the enactments of legislatures that establish the federal rules of criminal procedure. I mean, there, there are statutes. Here is a statute. This is Public Law 93595. It was passed in 1975. What does this do? This establishes, let me jihad this. This establishes rules of evidence for certain courts and proceedings. This is what your attorneys will focus on. This is what your law schools teach. This is what your courts use. This is what your government is pointing at. But look at this. Be it enacted by the Senate. Uh, this is uh, what was this? This is uh, uh, what's the statute here? So it's the Public Law ninety three five nine five, but it, I, I forget what the stat is. It's under twenty eight USC, but I ne we never I I always try to go to the original legislative intent. I never want to go to what the title is or what the title code is because if you do that, you're not actually getting the original legislative intent. You're getting some administratively, editorially compiled um, presentation, which is prima facie the law. Now, 28 USC is positive law, which means it's been passed by Congress. So you can look at 28 USC on, online and see what it is, but it will be harder, I think, it's harder for you to find in the US code 
what the purpose is whenever you can just go back to the original legislation and find out what Congress intended to do when Congress first passed it. And the reason why you go back to what Congress first did when it first passed it is because you get to see where the legislature is using its powers and how it's using its powers. And you will see, without a doubt, you will see the Congress give deference to the higher authority. It absolutely happens every time. This is the law. It's just out. The, the bad part is the government has a presumption that everything is done lawfully. So if the government criminally prosecutes you, they presume that they've done everything lawfully. That's bad. I think that's maladministration. But because people don't know the law, they don't they don't know this. They just go with what's been told. And the attorneys make money um, uh, this way. Being enacted by the state, by the Senate, by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America. Stop. Stop right there. What was the definition of common law? As distinguished from law created by enactment of legislatures. Okay, so we're already not talking about the common law. We are already not talking about the common law. How do we know that? Because the legislature is enacting it. That the following rules shall take effect. Rules. Rules. These are rules. These are not laws. This is not a law. This is a rule. It literally says rules. Okay? Shall take effect on the 180th day, so six months after the date of the enactment of this act. These rules, not laws, apply to actions, cases, and proceedings brought after the rules take effect. This is your... Every case is being prosecuted by the office uh, following arrest, surrender, defendants must appear, blah, 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 in accordance with the federal rules of criminal procedure. That's what we're talking about. These, uh, this federal rule of criminal procedure is moving according to the law, to the rules established here in, uh, in this act for uh, evidence. These rules shall apply to further uh, an action, blah, 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 to the extent, ex except, here's this, except, a key word in legislation is except, because except means outside. It means something that is not applicable, something that is not included. So if there is an exception, it is not part of. So if the legislature says these are the rules of evidence, except then there mean then there are times when the rules of evidence don't apply. So listen to what the legislature tells you. Except to the extent that application of the rules would not be feasible or would work in justice, in which event the form, former evidentiary principles apply. Bingo. The rules of evidence that these people are being, that these J6ers, the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, and this is the capital breach cases on the website of the Department of Justice is saying that all of these dudes are being prosecuted by the federal rules of criminal procedure. These hundreds of people, these hundreds of people, all of, I mean, look at this. I'll just, I'll just randomly go down here. Look at this, statement of facts. Oh, look at that. Another unredacted, another redacted FBI agent. Your affiant, blah, 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 I investigate domestic terrorism matters. So he's a government agent. He's a task force officer, so he's an expert at law enforcement. And so what's he doing? He's an expert at what? Violation of federal criminal laws. Well, I'm sorry, what did the, uh, isn't that, uh, you know, isn't that what we're, um, isn't that what we're looking at? 
the federal criminal laws are not the common law. They are distinct. They are distinct. And look at this. I mean, like, I, I haven't read this, but look, it's, it's going to be the same thing. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it just, it just talks about, like, he's not present. This dude was not there. This guy's not there. He's talking about proceedings and all this kind of stuff. He's All he does, I'm authorized by law. No, you're not. You're authorized by rule or by... Look at this. You're authorized by law or by a government agency to engage. Look, oh, these, oh, these guys are so freaking corrupt. It's just like, you, you go back up. Go back up. I'll just do this one. Hinchel and prior complaint. Statement of facts. Let's go to the statement of facts. Oh, look at that. Redacted special FBI agent. He's swearing to stuff. I am authorized. I am authorized by law or government agency to engage in or supervise the prevention, detention, investigation, or prosecution of violations of federal criminal laws. Okay. Were you there? No, he wasn't. How do I know that? Watch. Where's he at? He's gonna. He's gonna say it. Anyway, you guys get the point. This guy wasn't there. What these guys do is they build target packets based on uh, information that they collect. And then based on that information they collect, they pass it off as um, probable cause, which gets the people arrested. And then when the people are arrested, those witness, those affidavits stand as the witness against them. And because these capital breach cases move according to the federal rules of criminal procedure, which are based on evidence standards that were passed in 1975, these evidence standards can't work in justice. What is injustice? Injustice would be, well, I don't have any witnesses against me. That's injustice. How do I know that? Well, go to your, um, go to your Article 3, Judicial Branch, and the Judicial Branch is what? the judicial power right so judicial power is given to courts and this judicial power get out of here this judicial power extends to all cases all cases arising under this constitution well what is going to arise under this constitution any and all criminal prosecutions when the people are criminally prosecuted, that criminal prosecution arises under the Constitution, which means that that criminal prosecution has to have a witness against the people because you have taken the power of government and you've asserted it over one of God's image bearers. Because you've taken government and now you've asserted it over a God, one of God's image bearers, you have to have jurisdiction over him, which means he has to be able to see the people who saw him commit the crime. How do I know that? That's what the definitions mean. That's what the words mean. Okay. Uh, so let's let's, let's continue because I could I could rail on this all day. Other affidavits rely on pictures or video footage or use presumptions that exploit a standard derogatory to the common law. That is the um, that is the uh, federal rules of criminal procedure. The federal rules of criminal procedure is derogatory to the common law. <clears throat> Whereby, when employed, a so so when this uh, device, when this maladministration is employed, um, a criminal prosecution can be initiated by someone whose job it is to look at pictures 
instead of a instead of witness testimony or the law enforcement officer present who did not arrest at the time of incident now i wrote this because this is a dog whistle to any justice and the supreme court justices are going to know this the supreme court justices are going to look at the fact that the fourth amendment says probable cause and they are going to think Brynagar versus United States. This is the case that is the rule, the, the, the case law, and case law is a hoax, but this is the case that judges are going to look at for probable cause. The problem is, here, in this case, um, the officer... So in this case, this goes all the way back to like people uh, driving on highways, doing stuff that people driving on highways, carrying or traveling with stuff that was against the law for them to have. They were pulled over, and when they were pulled over, the officer was like, "Hey, I remember you from whenever I arrested you last time. You're a bad guy." And so hit the officer's suspicion is reasonable, and the law will say that you know it's flexible. Let's um. Let's do. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm trying to. Where, where did I? Where did I see this? Um, okay. <clears throat> so uh, I'll just read the conclusion. Finally, as for the most important potential distinction, um, Malsad's personal observation. Malsad, the arresting officer personal observation of Bryanger's recent activities established that he was so engaged quite as effectively as did the agent's prior bargaining with the defendants. This means that the arresting so the Supreme Court precedent, the case that looks at probable cause which is your fourth amendment, not your sixth amendment the case that looks at probable cause uses a law enforcement officer who was present to observe the defendant. So the probable cause was based on personal ability to observe. This dude's a witness. The witness is one, here it is, here it is. A witness is a person who is present to observe a transaction. That is what the court is saying here. The court is saying his personal observation. The dude who was arrested that challenged probable cause challenged probable cause with a law enforcement officer who was present and arrested him. These capital breach cases use the federal rules of criminal procedure which can't go against or work in justice in former evidentiary principles such as the Sixth Amendment right to have a witness against you. This is, this is powerful stuff. These godless commies, man. I get worked up on this stuff because people's lives have been destroyed. But the, these, this is the wrinkle. This is the wrinkle that people are using. Um, other affidavits. So this is, so basically, they can just look at pictures. Uh, and, 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 and so basically, uh, other affidavits rely on video footage or presumptions that exploit a standard derogatory to the common law. That's the federal criminal procedure. Uh, whereby, when employed, a criminal prosecution can be initiated by someone whose job it is to look at pictures. That's what every single one of these FBI agents, that was, that's what they do. Your job is to look at stuff so that you can prosecute people. And you do that according to the freaking um, federal rules of criminal procedure. That's not the same thing as the Constitution. Do you see that distinction? And we know this 
because the law that the uh, statute, the law that the that the legislature passes, the legislation is not the common law. We know that because of the definitions. Okay. Hopefully this is making sense now. So, uh, and, and this is instead of witness testimony. You see how I, I like I'm just straight up saying this is done instead of witness testimony. This is me. This is me swearing to the fact that these people aren't witnesses. That that is that is what I'm saying. I'm saying these uh, people swearing to warrants that generate arrests are not witnesses to crimes. They are swearing to probable cause which is what they can do amendment 4 they can do this they can swear to probable cause but that that sweat that statement can't stand as a witness it can't it can't it you have to be able to see the witnesses against you and we'll get into why that is here in a second um, and, or the law enforcement officer present who did not arrest at the time and that right there is a shout out to uh, the Supreme Court case. That's a shout out to Breiniger versus United States. Breiniger versus United States speaks to the idea. Look at this. Um, uh, let's go down to the very conclusion of this. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here's 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 where the here's where the court fleshes this out. This is the fleshing out of probable cause. We're not arguing against probable cause. These long prevailing standards seek to safeguard citizens from the rash and unreasonable interferences with privacy from unfounded charges of crime. Think about that. 1949, the Supreme Court is saying probable cause standards are there to stop frivolous and unfounded charges of crime. You can't just willy-nilly charge people with crime. That'll preach. They also seek to give fair leeway for the enforcing the law in the community's protection. So there's a there's a balance. The balance is community protection, public right, public good, versus the individual liberty interest. Make sense? Because many situations which confront officers in the course of exe uh, executing their duties, so the officers are executing their duties, have what? Are more or less ambiguous, room must be allowed for some mistakes on their part. If you are the beat cop, if you're the dude driving the patrol car, if you're seeing the guy on the street doing stuff, if you're like, well, that doesn't really make sense, if that's you, you are allowed some mistakes on their part. Why? For the community's protection. The community's protection affords you as the officer, as the arresting officer, the ability to make mistakes, and that's what probable cause is. It's a probability that you could be doing a crime, but it's based on first-hand knowledge. It's based on personal knowledge. You have to see it. You have to be a witness to it, right? But the mistakes must be those of reasonable men acting on facts leading sensibly to the conclusions of their probability. The rule of probable cause is a practical, non-technical con conception, so we're dealing with fluid concepts here, among the best compromise that has been found for accommodating these often opposing interests. The opposing interests are the community's protection and the privacy of the individual. Requiring more would unduly hamper law enforcement. To allow less would leave law-abiding citizens at the mercy of officer's whim or caprice. What's this? This is, this is whim and caprice. This is what this is. 
I don't, I don't, I don't actually have seen this stuff, but I heard about it, and because I heard about it, that dude's definitely guilty. That dude definitely committed a crime, which is why I say that this is this pattern uses artful affidavits by agents swearing to probable cause to suffice as witness. Right? This means that people are criminally prosecuted without a witness, but on the government agent promising his suspicion, which is exactly which, to the point of what the Supreme Court's saying here. If the law enforcement has a suspicion and it's just his whim, he's going to say you committed a crime because that's his job. His job is to enforce the law. So his job is going to say you're breaking a crime. And that's exactly what these FBI agents are doing. The troublesome line posed by the facts of Carroll in this case is uh, between mere suspicion or probable cause. Right, let's get down to, um, let's get down here. Uh, here we go, here we go. Very, very end. The question presented in the Carroll case, which is another probable cause case, lay on the border between suspicion and probable cause. So this is a fluid concept in the law. But the court carefully considered that the problem and resolved it by concluding the facts within the officer's knowledge. The officer in the Supreme Court case that establishes the precedent of probable cause being this fluid and flexible thing had knowledge, first-hand personal knowledge, when they intercepted. So the law enforcement officer is intercepting. He's arresting. He's in the act of doing the thing. The Carroll defendants amounted to more than a mere suspicion and constituted probable cause for their action. We cannot say this conclusion was wrong or so lacking in reason and consistency with the Fourth Amendment proposes that it should now be overridden. So that they find in the case. So what we are saying, what excuse me, what I'm saying, is that uh, that that's what they're doing. These dudes are arresting people. You know, these people are swearing to probable. These redacted FBI agents are swearing to uh, facts not based on personal knowledge that is generating arrest warrants based on probable cause, and then the government is prosecuting them, smuggling that that affidavit. In, in smuggling the affidavit from probable cause to witness they're 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 changing it from wit from being probable cause generating the arrest warrant to being a witness and being the witness is what they're prosecuting him on okay the following list of people with their case numbers are subject to the criminal prosecutions without a witness and then i i had a list of people and i have their case numbers i'm not going to show it here because if there's government actors looking at, I don't want them to get bad treatment. <clears throat> and then we're going to do, um, we're going to see authority below. Sir William Blackstone, who literally wrote the book on common law. Blackstone is a leading authority on what the common law is. So if you hear lawyers or courts or judges or anybody talk about the common law, they will bow in deference to Sir William Blackstone because he wrote the book on it. So if Blackstone says something is the common law, that's the common law. He wrote the book on it. So when your attorneys say, well, it's court precedent and it's case law, they don't know what they're talking about. They're literally using a bad definition of the common law. The common law is coming from people like Blackstone or from Coke or from Flecka uh, or uh, from Fleta or, um, you know, Bouvier. Like those jurists of old 
are where the common law comes. Like, they wrote about what the common law is. The common law is not, you know, statute-affirming, court case, you know, test-determining things. That's, that's, not the, that's not what it is. It's just a bad law. Anyway, Sir William Blackstone is the authority. Commentaries of the Law of uh, book is, Books of England, Volume 2, Chapter 23, page 30, 379 and 380. It, he says, <clears throat> It is wisely therefore ordered that the principles and axioms of law, which are general propositions flowing from the abstract of reason. He's talking about maxims. He's talking about maxims right here. <clears throat> That's what axioms are. Um, are not accommodated to times or to men. So the maxims don't change according to the times or according to the judge. I don't care who you... Blackstone, the guy that wrote the book on common law, is telling you the axioms of law don't change according to the time and they don't change according to the man. Okay? Should be deposited in the breasts of the judges. The judges should have in their hearts, which is their conviction, that's what he means, their conviction should be the axioms. These axioms don't change. They never change. They don't change depending on if you're politically motivated. They don't change depending on if you hate Trump. They don't hate they don't change based on anybody. They are maxims. They are axioms of the law. To be occasionally applied to such facts as come properly ascertained before them. For here, partiality can have little scope. So you have very little room for your personal bias. A judge, because he's got the axioms in his heart, he doesn't have any room for his own opinions. This is where when attorneys or law schools or people say, well, we got to get a judge. We got to do the case law. That's stupid. That's a hoax. The guy that wrote the book on common law is literally saying there is little scope for partiality, which means I don't care what you think. We care what the law is. What's the law? Well, in the law, where'd you go? In the law, you got the ability to confront the witnesses against you. I don't care if you're a Biden judge. I don't care if you're an Obama judge. I don't care if you're a Trump judge. I don't care if you're a federal prosecutor. I don't care if you're, I don't care who you are. That's the law. That's the law. And if you're reading, um, if you've got the maxims, which means if you're a good judge, if you know what the law is, if you care about the law, the law don't change for time or people. The common law doesn't change for time or people. Um, <clears throat> The law is well known, and the same is for all ranks and degrees. So it's, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're Hunter Biden, or it doesn't matter if you're the poor folks from Appalachia, the Richmond, singing Richmond, North of Richmond. It follows as a regular regular conclusion from the premises. And I, I write this so that uh, if anyone tries to reproduce what I do, it's just another hook. It's just to say, hey, dude, I copyrighted my stuff. Um, that way, if like an attorney gets this and sends it back at me, or some prosecutor takes a copy and sends it back at me, it's like, dude, did you violate copyright law whenever you sent this back at me? Are you going to submit what I have copywritten in as evidence? You got to have the original, bro. Um, uh, it follows as a regular from the premises of the fact pre-established. So these are fa these are pre-established facts before the case ever exists. So before the case ever exists, the law is established. Which is why, whenever the Congress writes statutes, right, to establish rules of evidence for certain courts and proceedings, they can't do it against what the common law says. Because the common law is pre-established before the enactment of legislatures. 
And so because the law is before the legislatures, whenever the judge looks at a case and the facts have been made uh, plain to him, he has to take into consideration what the law is before he ever looks at the statutes, before he ever looks at the facts. He has to. Has to. But in settling and adjusting a question of fact, when entrusted to any single magistrate, partiality and injustice have an ample field to range in. This is saying that if one judge is given the burden of looking at this fact, he could have partiality come in. He could be politically motivated. Do you think that the district court, do you think that the district judges in Washington, D.C. have any kind of impartiality? Or do you, excuse me, do you think that they have any partiality? Do you think they have any injustice? Do you think they have any bias against Trump, against Trump supporters? So if this is the issue and it's entrusted to a single magistrate, single judge, excuse me, partiality and justice have an ample field to range in, like an open prairie. It's an open field. You can do all sorts of stuff with your bias if you're the only judge looking at it, which is why we're going to send it to everybody. Uh, either by boldly asserting that to be proved which is not so, or by more artfully suppressing some circumstances, stretching and warping others, and distinguishing away the remainder. This means, if something is only given to one judge to look at, that one judge can have bias creep in. That bias can roam widely ranging like the wild prairie open buffalo, the buffalo on the open plain. And if that's the case, that judge's impartiality, that judge's bias, that judge's injustice can come in and do what? It can artfully suppress some circumstances. What are these circumstances? And this is what I'm calling out. I'm calling out the artful circumstance of the federal rules of criminal procedure are smuggling in warrants made on probable cause as witnesses. That is a very artful wrinkle. And that artful wrinkle is what's being used in these criminal prosecutions. Stretching across and warping others and distinguishing away the remainder. You're able to do all sorts of stuff against justice, against the maxims of law, if you're the only guy looking at it. If you're the only guy looking at it, then you can do basically whatever you want. Which is why you put it on blast. Which is why you don't just tell one person, you tell everybody. This is when Thomas Jefferson talks about a broad diffusion of knowledge is necessary for good and genius government. This is why. You tell everybody the truth. This is why the common law is a Christian concept. Because Christians are going to stand on the truth. They're going to prove all things. They're going to hold fast that which is good. And they're going to proclaim the truth. And they're going to tell everybody and not just little people over here. A lamp once lit is not put under a shade. It is put where all can see where it has the maximum light. So when we know the truth, we're going to proclaim it from the mountaintops. And when we proclaim the truth from the mountaintops, it's no longer only in the head of one judge who might be tempted from his bias to have artful suppressions of some circumstances or to stretch or warp others, distinguishing away the remainder, which in this case, where's my mouse? The remainder in this case is that the fact that there are people being prosecuted that don't have anybody who physically saw them do what they're being prosecuted for. Which is a really big deal. Like, a big deal. Like, against the rights of what the government's supposed to secure. Like, the government is literally not doing its job because of this. So, uh, Maxims. 
Where law prescribes a form, the non-observant is fatal to the proceeding and the whole becomes a nullity. So if you prosecute my friends, if you prosecute my brothers and sisters, you prosecute these J6ers and you ain't got a witness, that is bad form. Bad form of law does what? Well, we just saw the maxim says what? The non-observance is fatal to the proceeding. You can't prosecute somebody without a witness. That's literally the law. You got to have a witness. If you don't have a witness, there is no criminal prosecution. If you don't have a witness, you can't prosecute the witness. You can't prosecute the dude. Um, and the whole becomes a nullity. So it's it's as though it's never been done. It's 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 gone. So uh, there would be remedy. There would be injury. There's absolutely wrongdoings. People that spent money on attorneys lost their homes. Done all sorts. Of, like there's absolutely, absolutely torts. There's torts all over the place here. Maxims of law. No one no one ought to be a witness in his own cause. This is speaking to the fact that the government is using um, uh, the government is using agents. The government is using uh, employees, right? The government is using its employees right here. Uh, where are you at? Um, the government is using its own employees to further the cause of prosecuting the people. That's <laughs> that's about as wrong as you can get. <laughs> like, especially whenever we consider what was the purpose of government? The main object of government is the protection and preservation of personal rights, private property, and public liberties and upholding the law of God. And yet you want to come down here as government and you want to hire people to then look at pictures so that you can prosecute people without a witness even though they're guaranteed one? Yeah, you can't be a witness in your own cause. Because the dude that's swearing under oath that this is probable cause, his job is just to look at pictures. That's what these guys, that's that's their job. Look at this. I have interviewed, you know, many individuals involved in racketeering, blah, 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 blah. You looked at pictures, bro. You looked at pictures. Right? The information in this affidavit is either personally known to me, has been provided me to uh, individuals, or is based on a review of various documents, records, and reports. If he was there, he would have said he was there. He would have sworn to the first-hand testimony, because then it's more credible. Because then it's actually personal knowledge instead of hearsay. So these dudes weren't there. And because they weren't there, they didn't see. And because they didn't see, they're not a witness. Which is why they got to put in their affidavit. This is why they, every single one of these has to include this type of verbiage. This is a form letter. This is form. And why this is form, and this is why we're calling it a pattern of maladministration. This is wrong administration of criminal prosecutions. And it's it's a pattern. The pattern is there's government agents that are looking at Facebook pictures and then criminally prosecuting people and there's not a person, there's not an actual real human being, man or woman, who physically saw these J6ers as they're being prosecuted by the state and they're going to jail. And that is done according to the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure against the rights of the people. Against the common law. And I hate it. Which is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, okay, now this last one. He who does he does contrary to the law, who does what the law prohibits. He who he acts in fraud of the law, who the letter of the law being inviolate uses the law contrary to its intention. 
So if you're going to prosecute somebody, if the law says in all criminal prosecutions, the people have the right to uh, be confronted by the witnesses against them, and you are bringing contrivances of the law that are not witnesses, then you are actually doing contrary to the law. You're doing what the law prohibits. If the law says you have to have a witness and you don't give them a witness, you are doing a, a contrary to the law. You're working in fraud. That's that's that blows her back out. That's 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 massive. Affiant claims that the Congress is not granted powers to change the due process of common law. To this, we go to the um, let's go back to our Constitution. <clears throat> Article one is a legislative branch. Section eight. Section 8 is the Congress shall have power to. So these are the granted powers to the Congress. These are the 18 powers of the Congress. And I am claiming that the Congress is not granted powers to change the due process of, uh, of the common law. They don't. What they have done is they've passed statutes to establish rules of evidence for certain courts and proceedings. You see how those two things are distinct? This is civil law. This is law from a legislature. The law from a legislature is not the common law. It can't be, by definition. It also, as you see here, it can't work in justice in which event former evidentiary principles apply. The legislature can't pass law that trumps common law. Can't do it. So if the common law, which is the law of the land, which is the Constitution, says that you have to have a, uh, a witness against you, or you have to be able to be confronted the witness against you, if there is no witness, and a witness is one who's present to observe an event, if there's no witness, the Congress can't pass laws, can't enact legislation, can't pass statute that allow for criminal prosecutions without a witness. Can't do it. It's not in there. What they can do, and this is what I quoted, they can make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers. What are the foregoing powers? Well, the preceding 17 clauses. The 17 clauses above, that's what Congress can legislate on. There's your powers. And you can legislate on anything that gets those preceding 17 clauses into action. But you can't pass legislation against the people. You can't pass legislation that goes against their due process. Well, what's their due process? Well, I, I need a witness. You can't use a government employee to function as a witness against me in a criminal prosecution. Because then, what I guarantee you is happening, is these prosecutions are going according to proceedings using the rules of evidence. That's what they're doing. They're using procedure. They're using process. They're using system. This is why. It, this is what attorneys are taught. Attorneys are taught system, case law, process, uh, proceeding, filing, motions. They're they're taught how to navigate the system. They're not taught the law. This is this is this right here is not the law. This is a freaking rule. This rule can't go against your uh, right to due process. The due process is, if I'm going to be criminally prosecuted, I need to be able to see the person who saw me do what they're swearing that I did. And if you can't give me someone who swore that I did what you're accusing me of, you ain't got a witness. You ain't got a witness. Now, there will be people right now, probably attorneys, probably prosecutors, probably people that uh, you know just, just want you know semblance of, of things. First question, 
Will your government ever lie to you or do you harm? Second, when you start thinking of those exigent circumstances, like uh, one dude murdered somebody and then ran away. One dude, you know, raped a woman, murdered her, and then ran away. Well, there's no one that saw, so he just gets to go scot-free. First of all, if he raped her and there's DNA, that evidence testifies against him. That evidence testifies. Because that's him putting himself there. So he put himself there. But if you're looking at pictures, if you're looking at video, you can't presume that they're there unlawfully if you weren't there to say that they were there unlawfully. You're not a witness. Or otherwise, I could be a witness to World War II. I could be a witness to JFK's assassination. I could be a witness to stuff that I'm not actually part of. And at that point, you've now changed the presumption in the law from protecting rights and liberty to you're guilty because I'm qualified to say that you are breaking the law. And so if you've got civil law, which is all these stupid statutes and the case law and the rules, they'll get you hemmed up all sorts of ways. They'll hem you up all over the place, which is what they're doing. I mean, look, just look at how many, look, look at all these capital breach cases. Look at all these capital breach cases. All, like these are hundreds of people, hundreds of people being prosecuted for a single event. The single event and they're being prosecuted. Now you don't tell me that the government wants to prosecute all these people. Is every single one of their liberty interests being put above the process, the proceedings, the rules, and the statutes? Because they're guaranteed their rights above that. They're guaranteed it. And because they're guaranteed it, that's more important than the stupid prosecution, the laws, the, the statutes, the case law, the proceedings. That, that's the object of our country, which is why you go back to our maxims. The main object of government is the protection, preservation of personal rights, private property, public liberties, and the upholding of the law of God. All right, we'll keep moving on. <clears throat> I, I think y'all, I think people have gotten it. Uh, so Congress has not granted powers to, to go against the due process of law. This means that the people cannot be criminally prosecuted by government outside the meanings of words in the text of the Constitution or the due process of the common law. That's that's simple. You can't prosecute me by any other standard except for the standard that's in the Constitution, and that standard in the Constitution is the common law. That common law benefits me and my rights and my property. So if you got a stupid statute, or if you got case law, you got precedent, you got court proceedings, you got filings and petitions, I don't care about that crap. The law doesn't care about that crap. That's crap. That ain't the law. That's statute. That's extra constitutional government administrative stuff. We care about our rights. The rights are secured by the law. The law guarantees you a witness. The witness has to be present to observe an event. If you ain't got someone who's present to observe an event, the purpose of government is to secure my liberty and my rights. Sorry, bro. You can't prosecute me. I walk. I walk. United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18. To make all laws which are necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all powers vested in this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. That is what we're pointing to here. Congress has the granted power. So people make government. 
Got, uh, we wrote the Constitution. We give government power. The uh, Constitution then gives power to the legislature. That legislature is given power here by the Constitution. The Constitution that exists because we gave it power, because we have all political power and we created it, we then delegate those powers down to the legislature who can then make laws according to the foregoing powers. And all other powers vested by this Constitution of the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. So the legislature can write legislation on the foregoing powers that were granted to the Congress. The powers that were not granted to the Congress was to change the due process of law. You can't change the Constitution and you can't change the due process of the common law. Can't do it. The powers not delegated to the, to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited to it by the states are reserved to the state respectively or to the people. I think that's an S. Reserved to the states uh, respectively or to the people. If we didn't give you the power, then you don't have the power. You're actually prohibited from even talking about it or doing it or anything. So if we didn't give you the power to write laws on how to prosecute people, then you can't prosecute people according to... Uh, where'd you go? According to federal rules of criminal procedure. Can't do it. You have to prosecute according to the common law. The common law is not an enactment of Congress, by definition. And because they're not the same thing, you have to prosecute according to the common law, which means you have to have someone who saw you. And then we get to, you know, investigate and like you get to do cross-examination. You get to do all those things. But you don't do federal rules of criminal procedure. You don't do enactments of Congress that establish rules of certain courts of evidence for certain courts and proceedings. You don't do that. Because that works in justice. That's, that's why they wrote it. That's why this right here, this right here, right here, and this right here, the Tenth Amendment, this right here, is exactly why the Congress wrote that. They wrote or would work in justice because they understood that there is a standard that they can't go against. Now, if you're not taught that, you don't know that. And if you don't know that, what do you go by? You go by that. You go by the federal rules of criminal prosecution if you don't know what the law is. And so if you don't know what your rights are, yeah, you're going to be moved and you're going to be prosecuted and you're going to be processed not according to your rights. This is why it's important to know the law. <clears throat> Whatever is done in excess is prohibited by law. So if you guys, I'm telling them, if you guys come up and you make your stupid statutes to establish rules and evidence for certain court proceedings, what you're doing is you are now in excess of what's prohibited. Because it's in excess, because you're changing the common law, because you're changing the standards by which, um, because you're changing, you're making laws that go against the standards of due process and the, and the common law, what you're doing is you're passing legislation to establish and make things easier for you. I don't want you to establish and make things easier for you that work in injustice or that trespass my rights. You can't do that. Why? Because government's for my benefit, not for your 
ability to make a job, have a job and prosecute people. Okay. Now here's where we're going to end. Please take notice that it is Affiant's immediate wish and demand that you openly, and we're going to be writing this to the Supreme Court, all of them, uh, openly declare that all criminal prosecutions must have a witness, must prove by the common law, or excuse me, that, uh, okay, let me start over. That you openly declare that all criminal prosecutions must have a witness. That's me saying, Supreme Court, I want you to say that the Sixth Amendment says what the Sixth Amendment says. That's not hard. I'm asking the judges to declare what the law is, which is one, which is a maxim. The, the ma oh, there's a maxim that says judges declare the law. Um, because courts and uh, laws, pre or excuse me, constitution and laws precede the judiciary. Uh, you must. They must move by the common law. This is this is going to kick lawyers in the teeth. Law schools, attorneys, prosecutors, judges. They think a big muddied issue is the common law. Currently, ninety nine plus percent of attorneys, judges, politicians, anybody thinks that the common law is what has been established by court precedent based on statute. That Congress, so this is what an, an attorney will think, and this is what law schools teach. Law schools will teach the Congress writes law, and then when that law gets passed, now it's got to get, now it's going to go to a court, and a court will adjudicate it. So a judge, the very first time that this law will ever be tested, that will be the first time that establishes precedent for that statute. And then based on that judge's ruling, all the other judges are supposed to take notice of. They're supposed to look at what the first judge did, and then based on what the first judge did, they then have to follow. This is why Supreme Courts and court cases will say, there's a three-part test, or a two-part test, or a... This is where they get their, their steps. And this is why, if you're an attorney, you're looking at the state annotated, because the state annotated is different for every state, and it will look at what the state of Oklahoma ruled on car crashes. The state of Tennessee ruled on car crashes. The state of Wyoming ruled on car crashes. And you look up your state annotated. That's why attorneys don't practice outside of their other states. They're, they're laser focused in because it's a lot of stuff. And then they'll, they'll find the case law, which is nothing more than judges saying stuff about a statute. But none of that is the Constitution. Literally none of it. None of it is the common law. All of it is enactments of legislature. And what they do is they say when a legislature makes a law, it will then go to a court and the court will then make a ruling. That ruling will then build a body of case law and the case law becomes the precedent and then they call that the common law. That's what attorneys think the common law is. They think the common law is this accumulation of court cases that have reinforced or spoken something about a statute. And that's not the common law it is all. The common law is you hold your rights, I hold my rights, and, I, and no one gets power or jurisdiction over me unless I do them harm. And whenever I do them harm, they swear to it. And then we go to a trial where 12 of our peers look at what is going on and they try the facts and the law at hand. That's what the common law is. You can have proceedings that like facilitate that, but you can't say 
uh, Jaron, who is one of the people because that's what God makes him. You can't call Jaron a taxpayer and then pull Jaron into a court identifying Jaron as a person or a taxpayer that then you can legislate what those words mean. Because that would mean the legislature is has power or is using power to define who I am. You can't define who I am. Why? Because God made me. And if the people have all political power and we make government and then we we give government the power to have a legislature and then the legislature writes statutes, how could the legislature, which is a derivative of our political power, write statutes that then reflect back to us and call us something that we are then subjected to? How does that work? That doesn't make sense. So when we're saying that these criminal prosecutions must have witnesses... They must move by the common law. That's what we're saying. You must move by the common law and not your um, not your uh, rules of evidence for certain courts and proceedings. Not by your federal rules of criminal procedure. That's what we're saying. And that Congress cannot pass legislation derogatory to the common law. And we say that because they don't have that power. They don't have that power. And just by the way, uh, the common law is actually in the Constitution. Go to your amendments. Article 7. Amendment 7. In suits at common law. Now hold on, hold on, hold on. The Bill of Rights was enacted, or excuse me, ratified in 1791. How could the Seventh Amendment ratified in 1791 that has the word common law how could common law ratified in 1791 be the case law that's built off the statute that was passed in 1975? How can that happen? Which is first? Which is exactly why in which event former evidentiary principles apply. You see how that works? This is 1975, which is before Jaron, but you also have this Bill of Rights, the Seventh Amendment, that says, in suits at common law, where the value in controversy shall exceed $20, the rights of trial by jury shall be preserved, and no fact tried by a jury shall otherwise be re-examined in any court of the United States uh, than according to the rules at common law. Which means that there are rules in the common law. Which means that there is a common law, it is not civil law, and that there are rules in the common law. Which means that the Congress can't make rules that are common law, which means whenever you're prosecuted, you can't be prosecuted by... Oh, shoot. You can't be prosecuted by anything but the common law. Does that make sense? Okay. Further, the failure of any government actor to construe derogatory meanings to the common law in light of the Constitution does not change the fact of what the highest law... of what is the highest law and your oath to protect the rights of the people. This is saying that just because government actors are stupid or have wrong conclusions, or don't know what the common law is, and don't know what the law is, doesn't mean that it changes the highest law and the oath that the judges in the Supreme Court are sworn to. Just because you don't know the law, and just because you don't know your job, and just because you don't know that you're wrong, doesn't mean that you're not wrong, doesn't change the highest law, and it doesn't change the fact that you are swore to it. You, are, you, you will find many government officials are sworn to something they don't understand, which is why we do what we're doing. This is why we have a republic. 
self-interested people with rights get information and then give that information to their servants for the public good. I am one of the people made in the image of God. I love Jesus, preaching the gospel. I know stuff. I'm reading stuff. I found stuff. And now I'm swearing to the truth of what I'm saying. And I'm giving it to my servants. And then here, Lord willing, next week or whenever, we'll do a notice that, you know, you or anybody else can can sign in support of this and basically say, hey, that affidavit that Jaron swore, yeah, 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 I'm supporting that. So let's put some pressure on. Let's point some let's point this out. And then the idea is that the more people who understand this, the more they're like, oh crap. People now know that they're being prosecuted outside of what their rights tolerate. You're right. Your guaranteed right means that you have to have a witness that saw you do the crime. Or you can't be criminally prosecuted. That's it's guaranteed. In conclusion, it is my will for you to openly declare the rights of the people. That's what judges do. Judges declare the law. The law is there for the benefit of the people. Government's there for the benefit of the people. Declare the rights of the people as a necessity, which means you can't stop it. I want you to say these are what the rights are. These are the rights of the people in such a way that anybody else that would go against them can't stop it. So if you're a federal prosecutor and you're seeing this and the courts say, you better have an eyewitness, you now know, holy crap, I shouldn't do prosecutions without an eyewitness. Or else now you are in trespass of the Constitution. Which, if there's two two people that swear to that, it's called treason. In a time of criminal prosecutions initiated by government agents who are not present to observe events and conducted by attorneys who omit the common law in favor of lesser law so that jurisdiction is easily gained over the people. I want you to say what the law is, say what the rights are, tell people what their power is because people are being criminally prosecuted without witnesses who saw them and it's being done by attorneys who are omitting the common law. Right here. They're omitting... They're using this to omit this. To omit this. They're, use, they're, they're omitting, they're using lesser law statutes to omit the common law. So that jurisdiction is easily gained over the people. The people are the masters of government. The object of government is to benefit me, to protect my rights, to protect my public good. But the government is using people with a, they're, they're using a lesser form of law to trespass my guaranteed rights so that now I am being hunted by the thing that's supposed to serve me. That's wrong. This is a demand in the common law sense by right for the Supreme Court to put a clear stop to any agency or government actor thinking that they have the right to deprive people the right to confront the witnesses against them. I want you to say very clearly if you don't have a witness who saw you do stuff, you can't criminally prosecute. That is the law. It's not a rule of evidence. That is the law. Okay. The legislature 
is to give a point of clarity openly clarity openly on this issue by and through Jim Jordan, who I believe is deemed to be a faithful servant. And failure to follow uh, the people's will shall be considered a trespass under the law and be done purposefully with full knowledge, intent, and against the will, safety, happiness of the people. And then underneath, we'll, we'll put a, uh, a verification, like I'll put all the verification stuff. Um, but that's it. That's what we're going to write. Um, I want to do this real fast. Because I want to show you, um, so now this is your call to action. This is your call to action. Don't do this yet. So first of all, never swear to something that you don't have firsthand knowledge of. I'm swearing to a pattern of maladministration. I'm swearing to the fact that there are people being prosecuted, criminally prosecuted without a witness. Okay. I'm swearing to that. Um, I'm not suggesting that you do. I'm not telling you to do that. If you do that, you that's on you. That's not on me. But I just want to show you this. I want to get a cost for this. Um, average cost of certified mail. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let's do from Oklahoma to Washington, D.C. Basically, okay, so certified mail fee, r return receipt. So 435 plus 355, what we got? Where's our um, calculator? Let's bring this over here. So we got $4.35 plus $3.55. $7.09. PDF file replaces the green card. I don't think I want that. And first class postage. First class postage is 63 cents. So plus 0.63 equals. All right. And then I have a uh, big envelope, legal flat rate envelope, commercial rate. Uh, okay. All right, so eight, what's it, 880? 880. So we'll just call it 880. So eight, nine, nine bucks. If you let me round up, nine bucks. Nine bucks per. Now I'm doing that because I want to say um, how many circuit courts are there? 13. All right. So we've got, so we've got nine. 13. We got nine Supreme Court justices plus nine. Now we want to do um, uh, how many federal district courts are there? 94, yep. So plus 94 equals, that's 116. Um, then I want to do House Judiciary Committee. Republicans, how many we got, the committee? No membership. All right, so we'll send it to Jordan, one. Who do we want? We'll do Gates, two. We'll do Andy Biggs, three. We'll do Thomas Massey, four. Chip Roy, five. There, we'll do five. 
We'll do five on the House Judiciary, plus five. Then I want to do... I want to do um, FBI. No, 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 I want to do uh, Department uh, Justice Leadership. Because we're going to go at them. So Merrick Garland. So we want to do Merrick Garland. Who else we want to do? Who else you got? Who else is in your leadership, bro? So we want to do Merrick Garland. Let's do assistant, assistant attorney general, America, America, Samoa. Jonathan Cantor, United States assistant attorney general. Is that who you are? Is that the, the right guy? Officers of the associate attorney general. All right, who's this? So we want to go Associate Attorney Vanita Gupta. So there's two. We'll go for her. Um, I want to do U.S. Marshals. So basically, uh, FBI, DOJ has two people. We'll do a Associate FBI person. We'll do U.S. Marshals. Mm -hmm. We'll do um, uh, who else? Let's just let's just call it another five. So let's do ten miscellaneous. Ten miscellaneous. So plus ten. So now we got one hundred and thirty-one. Uh, anybody else? I think that's it. So we want to do one hundred and thirty-one. One hundred and thirty-one times nine. One thousand one hundred and seventy-nine. So it's going to cost me about twelve hundred bucks. If you want to help. You can go there to that um, and help me out because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to basically, I'm going to spruce this thing up. I'm going to police this thing up right here, uh, you know, typos or whatever. Um, and then I'm going to send it off to those 100 and what was it? Um, 131 people. So I'm going to do what this looks like is it's large envelope large envelope certified mail goes on so it's handwriting this large envelope flat legal size paper this 131 times and each one of these is costing me nine bucks so nine bucks plus the time to do it, which is meticulous. <laughs> um, but that, that's it. And then, uh, Lord willing, um, you know, police this up. We'll, um, you know, send it. So they'll all get served their notice. They'll, they'll all get the affidavit. Um, and then what I want to do is I want on the backside, uh, write up a notice. And then if you'll, if you'll support, um, we'll do it in a jot form where you can sign your name and shoot it out. Um, so, That'll be that. And uh, anyway, appreciate you listening. If, if you appreciate this, if you like what I do, this is able to be done because I have people who support me. This is my job. I'm able to put all this stuff together and do all the research and the thinking because people support. 
there's that direct uh, method, or you can do the win-win-win option, which is taking your shopping you're already doing and switching it over to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Um, supports me, supports American manufacturing, takes your money out of the godless commies, and it gets you access to over 450 household products. It is a yearly membership of $1. Cancel anytime, no hassle, not a big issue. Uh, appreciate your watching. God bless you. Believe the gospel. Uh, this should show you the importance of knowing the truth. Knowing what's true is powerful. The gospel is the truth. Jesus said, I read in the, um, what was it? I read in the Bible today. Hold on. Where's my, uh, I need a nearby Bible. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, all my stuff's falling out. I read in the Bible today, uh, what was it? Psalm 119. Which is the biggest... I want to share this with you and I'll, I'll get going. Uh, one of my favorite verses is John 17, 17, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying and he says, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And um, I read today... What was it? Um, I read today where Jesus quoted... Um, and this is, this is not a Bible I fight out of. Um, where was it? It's it's uh here we go here we go. Um, Psalm one nineteen one fifty one. Psalm one Psalm one nineteen one fifty one. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. When Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's saying, "Sanctify them by thy truth; thy word is truth." He's quoting. He's quoting from Psalm 119. Here he is in the in the garden. He's about to die. He's about to get arrested to go get killed and, and brutally tortured and whatnot. As he's there, um, he's praying. And his prayer is that we are sanctified by the truth. And he's quoting from Psalm 119. And Psalm 119, 151 says, Thou art near, O Lord. And all thy commandments are truth, which is a way of saying there's a lot of things there. It means the Bible is the word of God. It means what God says is true. It means that Jesus' prayer is for us to be improved by what God says. And then when, whenever we are meditating and we're reading and we're abiding in the word, that means that God is near. Psalm 119, 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. When you're reading the Bible, God is there. When you're, when you're meditating on the scripture, God is there. When you are doing these things, God is there. There is so much deception in this world. So much injustice and tyranny and privation and corruption. Do you see how a very strict focus on the law discovers what the truth is? It's hard. It's not easy. It takes rigor. It takes specificity. It takes a demanding devotion to what's true. But whenever it's done, and now you proclaim it from the mountaintops, what argument is there? What argument is there? There's no argument. Because we're saying what's true. And we're showing it. 
This is where it's powerful. This is where, this is the nation that you have. This is the, the heritage that we come from. This is the gift of our forefathers. And that was the blessing of God giving them grace because they were faithfully, diligently following him, reading the Bibles, reading their Bibles because they believe the gospel. This is what Christians should be like. This is what Christians should be doing. This is what Christian thought in politics, in government, in law, this is what it does. It doesn't do this systematized process that's incredibly uh, capricious and whimsical. That's what Satan does. The common law, the God's law, the Bible, Christian nations do not do what is going on. But we don't get not what's going on if we don't abide in the word and speak the truth and focus on it. It takes discipline. It takes a duty that's diligent and devoted. Anyway, appreciate your time and support. God bless you. Until next time, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Don't quit. As you can see, the war is just beginning. Go to war.